welcome everyone. Welcome those in the north, autumn as well. And also, um, I was away last weekend, so I know a couple of the ladies I was with are going to be joining us online. So welcome to everyone online as well. <coughs> the other thing I wanted to say was I've had a few comments in the last 24 hours that I need to slow down. I'm, I'm going to do my best. <laughs> but I was reminded this morning that I found my fifth driving test for driving too fast. <laughs> and I found my sixth driving test for driving too slowly. <laughs> so we shall see. We shall see how it goes, but I will try. Okay, so just to give a bit of a context, we're looking at Levi, uh, the calling of Levi in chapter 5 of Luke, and just to give a bit, bit of a context of where we're at. So in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus starts his ministry, and then in chapter 5, really, it's all about um, Jesus calling all people around him. So in Luke 5, chapter 1, the first person he calls is Simon, who he promptly nicknames Peter, the rock. Um, and Peter is a fisherman. He is a normal bloke doing a normal job. He's not part of the religious elite at all. He's just an average Joe Bloggs. In fact, I like to think that if Peter was alive today, he probably would drive around in a white van. That's Peter. He's the first person Jesus calls. Then, he, then Jesus goes on to call um, Peter's two friends, um, whose names I've forgotten, James and John. Yeah. They were known as the Sons of Thunder. They were known as Sons of Thunder because they were really quite feisty, quite, um, could be quite aggressive in their tone sometimes. I don't know about anyone else. I am really glad that God sometimes calls feisty people. So they're the first people. Then in um, verse 12, we see that Jesus heals a leper. A leper was again somebody completely ignored by the religious elite, uh, somebody who was shunned by society, but Jesus um, calls him. And even though Jesus says to keep it to himself, by this point, um, people are talking about Jesus, the crowds are coming, lots and lots of people are coming to hear what Jesus has to say. Then we get to the bit that Sam did last week. He did a brilliant job, didn't he, of unpacking that package, uh, unpacking that passage. Um, I'd recommend, actually, if you can, it's on YouTube. Go back and watch it. It was a really, really good uh, talk and testimony. It's really helpful if you missed it. But Sam talked about um, some friends who brought a paralyzed man to Jesus. And through that, the friend's faith, that man was healed physically, and he was healed spiritually, and everyone is amazed. And then we get to our passage. This is where we're at. So, so far, God's been doing a really good uh, job of Jesus has been doing a really good job of collecting all sorts of people, a real mix. And so we're here now at uh, Luke 5, verse 27. If you just follow in your Bibles, it should hopefully be on the screen as well. Look at that, it's massive, brilliant. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call right the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, so far on the screen, we can have a picture of some sweets, hopefully. So far, Jesus has been calling all sorts of people, a real mix. 
a real mixture of people. Levi, he's a blue bobbly one, the one that is disgusting, the one that you have no idea whatsoever why they put it in the mix. Horrible, 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 horrible. That's Levi. Although my husband says they're his favourites, what can you do? Okay. Why? Why is Levi, why am I saying this controversial thing that Levi is the, the one that doesn't make sense? Well, Levi, we see in verse 27, is a tax collector. Do you have any tax collectors or workers for HMRC in the building? <laughs> Phew, that's good. No. <laughs> no, no. Nowadays, there's nothing wrong with being a tax collector, is it? It's a perfectly good job. I mean, don't get me wrong, a little bit embarrassing in uh, dinner parties, sometimes a bit of a conversation stopper, um, but not maybe as bad as being a traffic warden or, or I don't know, <laughs> or a maths teacher. Do you mean, it's in 20... In, yeah, sorry, that's me. I am a maths teacher, in case anyone... Um, in 2023, it's a perfectly respectable job to do, right? Good job. But, but in these days, it just wasn't. Tax collectors were shunned by society, and rightly so. So imagine you're Israel in that time, and it's an occupied land. The Romans have come in, and it's an authoritarian, authoritarian, brutal regime, and they are running the land, and they're hated by everyone. And, and as well as being brutal, they also um, tax people really, really highly. But they didn't do it directly. What the Romans did throughout the empire, it wasn't just in Israel, throughout their entire empire, they got local people to collect the taxes. And so what Levi would have done, and all tax collectors would have done, is they'd have bid for a contract, um, and they'd have won the contract to collect taxes in their local area. Um, so what, what, what they'd have done is they'd paid for the tax in advance, and then in return for that, the Romans would let them basically just extort extra money. They could put their extra bit of money on top, and they had the force of the Roman Empire behind them, so they were literally extorting money off their own people, collaborating with this invading force. So they were hated by everyone. Romans were happy they were getting their money. Levi was happy he was becoming wealthy, but everyone else was suffering under what Levi was doing and what the other taxes collector were doing. And in fact, we see in the Gospels that when, um, when this church discipline had them, and it gets to the point where just they're not listening, we're just told that um, if nothing else can be done, if you've talked to somebody and they're still carrying on, that you just to treat them like a tax collector. It was it's what society did. They just shunned tax collectors. So this is Levi that we're talking about, completely the lowest of the low. He is the one that nobody likes. And yet, and yet Jesus sees him and he goes to talk to him. Notice Levi doesn't come to talk to Jesus. Jesus goes to Levi. He goes to him to that tax booth, that very place where the corruption and the greed is happening. Jesus goes up to him and he looks Levi in the eye and he says, follow me. And that's exactly the same invitation he's given every single one of us today. Follow me. See, we can't be too bad for God. Jesus sees us in our mess and he knows we're in a mess and he still comes to us and he still looks at us. And so... We just can't be too bad for God. We can't be too messed up. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking as well, actually, um, if the next verse comes up, we see, the next slide, we see that Jesus went out and he saw him. And I was thinking about them. There might be some people in this room who, who may have at one point followed God, but they're now far, far away. And, and, and Trev mentioned this last week, interestingly. We have a, we have a, a verses a few, uh, few chapters later 
about a man who did exactly that, a prodigal son. Prodigal son, um, he completely dishonored his family. He took his inheritance, which would have brought great shame to his parents, and he went off, and not only did he take his inheritance, but he went and he wasted it all on wild living. He just completely blew the lot. And it, it, for him to come to his senses, it took him to be nearly starving and to be desperate to come home. And, and that's where we find the prodigal son. And then we get to my, I think probably, my favorite line in all of scripture, and it's this line here. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. You see, God sees us. He, in, in Genesis, we're told that God is our Roy, the God who sees. God sees us. God saw the prodigal son and had compassion on him and went to him and hugged him. God saw Levi and had compassion on him and went to him, even in that mess. Now, we might be somebody who's coming back to God, like the prodigal son, or we might still be sat there literally in our um, tax booths sinning. God comes back to us. That's our first thing today we see, an invitation to follow God. Our next um, part of the text is that we see an invitation to find out more. So in verse 29, we see that then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus in his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. I find it really interesting that the very first thing Levi did as soon as he's chosen to follow Jesus was to have a big meal. Um, he's, what he's done basically is he's invited everyone he knows, all his mates, around to his house. got a massive house because he's really rich, isn't he? He's, he's, he's got all that money, so he's invited all his friends around. And he wants to honor Jesus, certainly, but he also just wants to tell all his friends about Jesus, introduce all his friends to Jesus. And that strikes me as really important because obviously that's, we've been talking about Alpha today, that's the real key of what Alpha is. Just come share a meal with us and just learn more about Jesus. I love it. And, and new Christians are often really good at that, aren't, aren't they? When you become a Christian, you're often really keen and really enthusiastic and wanting to share Jesus with others. And I just was struck this week as I was preparing that sometimes as we're maybe Christians a little bit longer, we're not so good at that. Um, I was invited out a couple of weeks ago to a evening, a Herbal Life evening, taster session. Right. I'm sure Herbal Life is really good. I've, I've, got, I've got nothing against Herbal Life. I'm sure also other supplements are available. So don't feel it's just about Herbal Life. But, and this, this was a fairly standard evening. I went my friends into Herbal Life and I went just to sort of support her. And it was a lovely evening. But what really interested me was the chap who was talking. He was, well, he was a herbal life evangelist. He was absolutely passionate about herbal life. And he talked and he talked. And he said, he said I, could, I could give you all the science about the nutrients and the blah, 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 blah. He said, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you how this product has changed my life. How my life is completely different because I started taking a shake every day. And it was fascinating. It was fascinating. He even, he even used words like testimony, and he got other people to get up and give their testimony. I thought it was at a church meeting until I remembered we were drinking shakes. <laughs> um, but one of the ladies, was, uh, we were all fascinated by his, sort of his enthusiasm. One of the ladies said to him, why are you so excited? What's it all about? And he, he, he said this, and I found it fascinating. He said, it, he said, it's like the greatest showman. He said... 
I'm like, okay. So I got my pencil out, I was fascinated. And he said, when the film The Greatest Showman came out, he went to see it. And as he watched The Greatest Showman film, he just loved it. He thought it was the best film he'd ever, ever seen. He loved the songs, he loved the acting, he just thought it was brilliant. And as he came out of the cinema, he just couldn't stop talking about The Greatest Showman. He kept talking, and everyone he spoke to, he talked about it. All his friends, he was ringing up his friends saying, have you seen this film? Have you seen it? It's brilliant, you've got to go see it. And those who'd seen it, he just was discussing it with. And those who hadn't seen it, he was saying, you need to go, you need to go to the cinema before it comes out, before it finishes. You must go. You must go see The Greatest Showman. It's the best thing you've ever seen. It will change your life. And I just thought, okay, I, I get it, I get that. It's a bit like last week, Sam was talking about classical music, wasn't he? And he was talking about... Um, the people who have uh, a love for classical music have, like, shiny eyes. And I, yeah, shiny eyes, and I get that. When you love something so much, when something has such a deep impact on you, your eyes get a bit shiny, and you, you, you can't help but talk about it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, it was a good film. The Greatest Showman's a good film, right? Those shakes were quite nice. They were all right. And, and they probably, I've no doubt, were good for me. And I'm a little bit older than Sam, so I quite like classical music. So I get all of that, I understand all of that. But, but, when we compare that stuff to what Jesus has done for us, to the change Jesus has made in our lives, it's just not, to me, it's not comparable. The change a film or a hobby or a, a healthy change of diet can make, it's just not comparable to the change Jesus can and does make to our lives. And I just think, in a way, we, we should talk more about it. We, we should talk more, but I'm, I'm conscious we don't. And I saw this quote this week. Um, it should come up on the screen. There you go. And that is, the quote, I'm going to read it anyway. The quote is that evangelism, in its purest form, is an overflow of worship. Evangelism, in its purest form, is an overflow of worship. The Bible says it this way. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I'm just struck that, um, I guess what I wanted to say is that if you're not feeling that you want to share Jesus with people, don't get fixated on the talking. Get fixated on knowing Jesus better. Get fixated on worshipping him more. Get, get more in his presence. Get more in his word. Get more prayerful. Just focus on Jesus and out of the overflow of your love for Jesus, the words will bubble. And that's the thing. Um, Billy Graham puts it this way. I think it's quite, quite a difficult way to hear it, but I think it's good. It says this. It could be that one of the greatest hindrances to evangelism is the poverty of our own experience. Ouch. Let me read that again. It could be that one of the greatest hindrances to evangelism is the poverty of our own experience. So I just want to just say, focus again, just focus on Jesus. Let's focus on him and his love for us and our love for him and the rest will bobble. And if you're somebody who is talking to your friends about Jesus, that's great. I'd encourage you to do what Levi does. I'd encourage you to invite them around for a meal and to talk things through. That's a really good thing. I obviously am going to encourage you to maybe consider inviting them to Alpha. We've got the taste session we've mentioned. Just... Alpha works by having a meal and having a discussion and just talking about Jesus. There you go, I've done Alpha, tick. Right, good. So we've seen an invitation to follow. We've had an invitation to find out more. Our final um, part of the passage is an invitation 
it would change life. You see, when Levi sat there with all his friends, all these sinners and these horrible people, let's be honest, that's what they all were, because the only people that would talk to Levi were equally vile people, and they all sat there, and Jesus sat there, and he's eating with them, and he's talking with them. The Pharisees, the religious people, were not happy. They were not happy that Jesus was talking to these people. And they start grumbling to, to this. Notice they don't grumble to Jesus, by the way. They grumble to the disciples. But Jesus hears them and he says this. Jesus answers them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's interesting, isn't it? Doctors. We don't normally go to the doctors, do we, if we're not sick? If we're well, we just don't go. In fact, we, we wait, don't we, until we're sick. sick. In fact, um, some people I know mention no names, <coughs> Andy Downing, um, will write a whole list. He'll wait for a whole list of things before he's ready to go to the doctors. We don't disturb our doctors. But imagine, imagine the scenario. And you get there and the doctor says, hello, hello, how can I help you? Oh, nothing, nothing, I'm good, thanks. No, yeah, no, how are you sick? What can I help you with today? No, no, I'm fit as a fiddle, thank you very much. It's been lovely to see you. you we'd get kicked out, wouldn't we? The doctors just don't want to see healthy people. They want to see people. They want to help people who are sick. They do. That's what they want to do. And Jesus is the same, you see. Jesus is not interested in people who think they are healthy. Sin is a spiritual sickness, right? And Jesus is interested in those who realize that they are sick. Sin, sin, we hear sin described many ways. Sin is when we do things that are wrong, that are bad. But really, it's things we do things our way and not God's way. That's what sin really is, when we do things our way and not God's way. Often we use a phrase, we're, we're missing the mark. And that's what sin is. Um, and Jesus came for everyone who sins. Um, and I've got some pretty bad news, or good news maybe. Every single one of us, every single one of us is a sinner. I, I want to be like Ophrah, Oprah, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. In fact, the Bible says this in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, and just be aware that we, that we need Jesus. We need to repent. The word we, there, we see that there is repentance. Um, repent, if, if sin is going our way, then the simplest definition of repentance is to, to realize that, realize that our way isn't the right way, and to turn around even if we need to turn around 180 degrees, to turn around and go God's way. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to go God's way. And um, up on the screen there, you can see um, Eugene Peterson's version of those uh, verses. It says this, I want to read it up there. It says, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. You see, Jesus is about changing our whole life. He wants to change everything about us. He's calling us, and he's asking us to change our life. And it's interesting, he changes Levi's life. I've deliberately referred to Levi as Levi this whole time. But we know him by a different name. So what do we know him as? Math, thank you, Matthew, Matthew. See, Levi doesn't stay as Levi. His whole life changes. He becomes Matthew, one of the 12 disciples, one of the people who wrote a gospel that we read, that millions of people have read, Matthew's account of Jesus. He went on, he preached throughout the whole of Asia, he became a real man of God. 
In fact, even his name changed, Matthew. Matthew means gift of God. Now, we don't know. We have no idea. It might have been that Matthew was always called Matthew. Um, maybe his mum called him Matthew. My brother, my baby brother, was, um, what's the word, a bit of a surprise. And um, so, so when he came along unexpectedly, my mum often would call him a little gift from God, which you can imagine how irritating that was. Um, but my, so, so Matthew may also, his mum and dad might have called him Matthew, but well, I don't know. I like to think maybe Jesus called him Matthew. Jesus loved nicknames. We know he called Simon the Rock. We know that he called James and John, Sons of Thunder. And I just think maybe Jesus called Matthew, Matthew, gift of God, that he knew that right there, he, he changed from that corrupt, vile, extorting tax collector into a, a man of God. And God wants to change our life in the same way. He wants to change our life the same way. And that's really what I want to say today, a nice, hopefully a nice simple talk. Um, but I just want to just allow some time at the end of the service here just for some silence. I just want to just give room for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. I don't know, maybe God's, maybe God's got somebody on your heart who, who he wants you to talk to him about. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe he wants, he wants you to be brave and invite somebody to the Alpha Taster Day. Maybe God's just saying to you, do you know what? You've lost that passion for me. You've lost that bubbling up. Just focus on me. Maybe the Spirit wants to say that to you, that, that he wants you to get right back with him in there. Maybe... Would it be lovely if there's somebody here who God senses calling? Somebody God is calling for the first time. Somebody God is calling to say, follow me for the very first time. Or maybe God's, there's somebody here who God's saying, come back. Come back and follow me again. I don't know. But I do know this, that he stood there and he's looking out for you. And he's looking at you with compassion and love. And that his arms are open wide. We know that he died for us on the cross. We know, we, we talk about sinners, we know that God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so I just want to just leave some room just for the spirit, just to speak to each and every one of us. Let's have some quiet. <laughs>